Welcome to another edition of Stokes and Folks. I'm your host, Spencer Stokes, and today I am joined by fellow former executive directors of the Utah Republican Party. So uh, I have Scott Simpson, who, uh, what years were you the executive director of the Republican Party? Let's see. I think it's, I think it started late 98. You try, I don't know if you're trying not to remember or no, you're trying I, to remember. Yeah, no, I... I'm actually sort of wrestling with the ground rules of the show. Uh, what about violence and cursing? You didn't really tell us. Yeah, <laughs> this, but it, 88, and then I took a little interlude and then oh, came, that's right. came you, back. Okay. So, and that, I think it was, when was it? Was it? Till, till 03. 03. Yeah. And uh, you've, so you did a number of conventions. Chris Blake. Yeah, I did. I did two, 03 and 04. And uh, I think when, uh, when the chairs were shuffled to bring me into that position. Scott Simpson was still trying to figure out who the heck is this guy and what is he doing here in this office? But it worked out. It worked out for all of us. And you were, you both were in the offices on South Temple, right? Uh, the offices created by one Mr. Oh, Spencer Stokes. Oh, that, those offices. Way to bring that around. <laughs> Way to bring that around. But but uh, they've recently moved out of those offices. They just don't understand tradition like they once did. No, it was know? 20 years. I was just thinking about this the other day. It was kind of a 20-year run at that location. But uh, but the, the Republican State Convention uh, will be probably with the, those that are listening will be within the week that they're hearing this show. And the... And all three of us have been and have war stories of the Republican state conventions. I was reminiscing that there's only been two Republican state conventions off the Wasatch Front. And I think I was involved with both of them. Scott, you and I sang the national anthem in 1992 (laughs) at the Weber County convention. And then I, were you around when we did the convention down at UVU with the drugged up horse? So you, you hired me to, produce that con- yes. convention. Yeah. So we, uh, yeah, sort of the backline. Yeah, so s- this is the Spencer Stokes sort of big vision thing is to bring... Uh, by the way, this is massive, Rob Bishop's big vision massively thing. Massively live animals, give them, you know, irresponsible amounts of sedatives, and then we'll use things like flashing lights and confetti and that sort of stuff <laughs> just to... Round, Indoor round fireworks. Yeah. I think the horse that Mike Levitt rode in on was was so drugged, it was having a hard time getting around. We knew with Mike Levitt's high energy on top of a really high energy horse, that might not be the right con- you know combination. So, well, I believe my first convention. I was telling you guys off air. My first convention was 1984. My dad ran for the second congressional district. The year David Monson ultimately won that seat. Uh, How many people were in the field? There were a yeah. bunch that you know. Um, if I if I I might screw up some of my names, um, uh, but uh, Bart Barker was ran. There was a Nixon that ran. Um, there was either Alice Shearer or Francis. Alice Shearer ran okay. because Francis Farley was the Democrat that year. Uh, so that was my first convention. It was the big Reagan year, and they, it was Reagan midterm. Yep, they midterm brought, election. No, his no, 80, uh, his, his second reelect. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, or his, his first second, re-elect. Yes. yeah, second yeah. election is what I meant to say. But they brought in a big giant elephant. Uh, the Blake uh, family. We had a popcorn machine. 
and uh, cutting edge back in 1984. Yes, it, was. it was a big hit, I might add. And um, break free. You're saying free stuff at a Republican <laughs> convention was a big hit. It was, yeah. Surprisingly, Crazy. the delegates were interested in some of that popcorn. But we also had break dancers, and maybe that was a little too cutting edge for Republican delegates in 1984. But my parents once got me break dancing lessons as a young kid. I don't know what lesson they were trying to teach me, but uh, the the it definitely helped with my moves. <laughs> so that was your first I mean, convention then. That was my first convention, yep. Chris Blake breakdancing. That's an image I just can't erase now. I, 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 I'm going to need counseling. I hope all the delegates tomorrow get to get to picture that. Yeah, I, and and who knows what, you know, this is obviously a, a off, off cycle, an odd year election, which means uh, that, Scott, what happens at these uh, mid-year? Well, it's an organizing convention. Which means it's uh, your your sort of the party gets its chance to rebuild itself for the coming election cycle. It's got it's an interesting dynamic because you it it's a different kind of turnout I think of delegate than you expect in a um, nominating cycle, right? Uh, you know the last election COVID notwithstanding, typically folks that are newly elected delegates are pretty fired up. They're they they tend to want to be at the convention. There are lots of reasons they've been courted severely for several weeks, you know, and there's this promise of, un, of free stuff, but, um, it tends to be a much more of a ideological rodeo, I think, than your typical nominating. So convention. what do we have now? Current delegates. I know during that UVU year, we had 5,000 5, delegates, but I think it, they've pared it down. I think we're down to, it was mostly 35, I think for a long time, but I think it might be at four. now. I think I, it is four. I now. think that's right. You know, I found the organizing 4, convention to be far more stressful. So I, when I ran the O3 convention, it was really my first Joe Cannon was on the ballot and uh, I was nervous we were going to lose. And I don't, have any re- I mean, we won it handily but it's just nerve-wracking you know your job depends on who the chairman's going to be so i found that convention far more nerve-wracking to try to find the right balance but also realizing man if my chairman loses i guess i got to go find a new job well and you're still and you're still trying to pay off the even year elections debt and you and you're trying to pay for this convention which is i don't think folks fully understand how difficult it is to pay for conventions uh, year after year, but yeah, I think I can see why it, it's the off years are, I think more nerve wracking even than the, because lots of people are willing to spend money right. and pay for advertising and booth space in an even year when it's, when it's a nominating convention, organizing much more difficult. Well, and to Scott's point, you really have these different factions within the party, right? You have the the folks that are ideologically driven, that are the you know what we often call the grassroots. You have the elected officials. You have a donor class, and all of it sort of collides at the convention, and it makes it um, makes it really challenging to to balance all of those different factions at a party. You have folks that want to st- sit there and debate you know, resolutions, but also want to debate bylaws and constitutional stuff. And for a lot of people, it's it's a little bit inane. And, th- and throw the other factions under the bus, right? No I mean, question. Well, we're already seeing that this year, yeah, they, right? Every, every convention, organizing conventions in particular, it's uh, how can we fillet some incumbent sitting elected official? And I think the, the grassroots uh, super conservatives know that if they can keep people there, the longer they can keep people there um, and the more objections they can raise when you get to um, 
you know, when you get to a situation where you're starting to vote on bylaws and, and uh, things in the platform, people start dwindling off and you, you have a much more conservative crowd there. Well, the other thing that, that they just don't remember, and, it, and this is the beauty of technology, all of us remember counting votes for all of these things, which took half the day, right? You're trying to figure out how to count, even ballots. Uh, we did uh, the ranked choice voting was, I think it was my convention was the first time we had done that. And it was a disaster. Uh, was that oh, the second oh, time? Oh, too. Yeah. So it okay. was just, yeah. So, oh, so uh, apologies. We, we had just too many ballots. It took us a week to count. Both of you, I think, came into the office to help us count, you know, who was going to be the national committee man and, and national delegates. Uh, we were able to get the governors and some of the other key ones done, but it was a it was a real logistical challenge. And now with technology, so much of that is so much easier than it than it was. You know, people are coming with their own voting device. We didn't have any of that. We had to figure out how the packet's going to be distributed and how they're going to vote and where we're going to distribute that and then where we're going to go count and how we're going to do you know count even when they're vote. It's it was a it was a hard. And do we need to have seven hour conventions still? <laughs> I mean, because of that technology. But even then, I, I've just thought over the last. And some people look forward to this as this form of entertainment, right? That's so it's where they exercise their um, whatever God-given rights, constitutional well, there's, rights. Yeah, there's, uh, that. there's that, but there's also that sort of emotional need that came out of high school debate, or I don't know what it is, but model UN maybe. There you go. <laughs> but do you spot on for the Republican convention, the UN? <laughs> the UN. Do you? Do we have to do that? I mean, I, I would lo- I would love to see somebody run for party chair on a platform of ninety minute conventions, or because really, there's very few things that the party needs to do at these things. So my my first convention was at nineteen eighty two. I was handing out little boutonnieres to delegates for Orrin Hatch. Uh, the Northern Utah State Director for Orrin Hatch was a woman by the name of Norma Holmgren. She uh, was from Tremont, and and she talked talked me into coming down and handing out those those boutonnieres but later on um after i returned you know back into from my uh my sister missionary 18 month stint away (laughs) away from the state i um i got involved with conventions and back then it was punch card and we had different colors of punch card ballots all in one packet and we just handed them out when people first came to the convention and then we told them told them which color of ballot we were going to use for which race, and they sat in their seats, punched it with a stylus, and literally just handed their ballots down to the end of the row, and we picked them up. And then all of a sudden, conspiracy theorists entered and said that wasn't secure, and then we went to the... It's you ground, had, that's yeah. grounds for revolution. Right, right there. So you, then you had to... They stopped the convention. Everybody went out... And uh, they dropped their ballot off. They had a wristband, and then you you had your your uh, name tag punched, or they bra- uh, they would brand you on the forehead, <laughs> something like that. Something. Uh, put a chip in, and <laughs> then then it just took forever to. And one of my, one of my favorite conventions uh, was the. Um, the one of the reelections. It was it was I believe at the Maverick Center of Mike Levitt. It was the year that he was forced into a primary. So that I guess me. he was 90, 92, 02. 02. Yep. 02. And I re- I just remember as they went to the second round of balloting when when they were doing the final round to see if Mike Levitt could get the at that time rec was at seventy percent. I think it was still at seventy percent because that's fluctuated whether you, if you became the nominee at sixty percent or seventy percent. And I remember Amy Hansen 
and Allison Bell standing out by the doors of the Maverick Center with their arms out. It's not over yet. There's go, one go more. Back go back in. There's one more round of balloting. There's one more round. And I think it was just a handful of votes uh, forced forced um, Mike Levitt into a primary against, was it Davis? Davis. The, the, the guy's Glenn, name? Glenn Davis? I can't remember. Yeah, I don't and, think it's or, Glenn. And but. Uh, Hatch narrowly missed that or succeeded narrowly though there was one of but that was the year that barbara smith the venerable uh long-serving relief society president for the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints also known in the last prophets era as the mormons um he he had barbara smith nominate him and she was booed (laughs) and i think that was when people thought maybe we've gone too far Maybe things have maybe things have changed. Well, that the the percentage is an interesting thing. The way that plays out, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys will remember Joe Cannon, sixty percent at Bob Bennett. Do I have that correct? Yeah. He he got sixty percent, but he needed but, seventy. But he needed seventy right. in order to avoid the primary, which became one of the more expensive primaries the state probably still has ever seen. And I'm sure Joe, in particular, would love to have that money back. But <laughs> uh, you know that it is fascinating how that plays out. Those percentages. I mean, it just it's changed the course on some of these races, uh, if if that percentage is higher or lower than than it was well, what it was previously. That particular election cycle was the cycle that made several massive changes. Um, in in politics, we we changed the threshold from sixty or from seventy down to sixty percent, and then the primary, and, date. and then the primary date because the primary, if everyone remembers, was in September, and so from May to September, Joe and Bob Bennett just beat the, yeah. beat the crap out of each other yeah. on the airwaves, and that's when everybody said we got to come up with a smaller threshold, so sixty percent uh, to get a nominee, and then they moved the primary to June. So that that uh, fall, I was a student body officer at West High School, West High, yeah. and. Um, we had a uh, ag- agreement from Joe Cannon to use. By the uh, way, that was the baccalaureate program, uh, international correct? baccalaureate. Yeah, yes, yes. You, yeah, I think <laughs> from, you were in that from the, the streets. Right. Yeah. So, um, and that's amazing that they still elected one of the snobs. Yes, to that, be student body that's president. True. So, kudos to you for putting the coalitions together to win that. Thank you. Thank you. It's the UN. Yeah. Again, the UN. <laughs> also, Michael Kennedy was the student body president, a Hatch chief of staff in in years to come. What? So, oh, later after he, you? No, he, with us. I was the vice oh, president. He was. Oh, the president. got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but. We had an agreement from Joe Cannon uh, to come to our homecoming parade or day, and we were going to throw balloons out from his hot air balloon. So I would have been able to meet Kurt Bramble back in 1992, but it <laughs> rained that day, and so it it all it all went for. So nothing. Joe was flying around in Kurt Bramble's hot air balloon. Yeah, that- he had a big Joe Cannon hot air balloon. I assume Kurt uh, had some some influence on that, but a big Joe Cannon hot air balloon. We we had secured the rights to it for that day. And that and that was the convention that was up in Weber County. It was kind of one of the conventions to end all conventions. It was the open gubernatorial seat. It was the open United States Senate seat because Jake Garn wasn't running. Um, and I remember we had I had just become a county commissioner and the Bob Bennett uh, Mike Tullis was his name. He was the campaign manager for Bob Bennett. He came in and started screaming at Greg McDonough, who was the convention chairman for that year, that there was a tree 
right in the middle where their tent was supposed to go. And I was trying to ask Greg a question, and he was just screaming at him that they couldn't set their tent up because of this tree. And this place, the Golden Spike Arena, had just barely been built. I mean, this tree was maybe a $30 tree. And I said, well, I can, can you guys just stop yelling at each other? Why don't you just cut the tree down? And he looked at me like, you want me to cut the tree? I said, yeah, are you willing to buy and replace it? And he said, yes. And I think still to this day, there's a little fledgling stump where it hasn't been replaced <laughs> at the Weber County Fairgrounds. But it was pretty, uh, It was a that was a big, massive, that, the Joe Can and Bob Bennett year. So kudos for you guys for getting the balloon. Was this prior to the primary or was this after, or prior to the convention or after the convention? After convention. So it, would have been, it was fall just before the primary. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. So you guys were kind of somewhat picking sides or had you gotten Bob? We wanted a come? hot air balloon. Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, it could have been anyone. Or at were that you, point. are you, were you intrigued by Joe, by Bob Bennett's taxes on a postage card or I, on a, a postcard as a, as a seven, 16, 17 year old at the time, it certainly uh, kept the hot my, air balloon. Yeah, it had hot my attention, balloon. but yeah. Well, you what you did is you delayed, um, being yelled at by Kurt Bramble by just a few years, you, <laughs> narrow, you narrowly missed that. I did. I actually would have loved that experience, so it would have it would have been a good one. Well, I mean, who who hasn't been there? I mean, it's sure. a, um, it's 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 a rite of passage. No, question. it's a rite of passage. Indeed. I still say that Kurt Bramble will go down in history as one of the great compromisers of the Utah State Legislature, being able to bring two very disparate sides together and bring them together in a room and kind of force some kind of solution to a piece well, of legislation. Kurt, Kurt was my, he was either our convention chair in 04 or our bylaws uh, chair. I, I, maybe, I can't remember which, but he was masterful and really a huge supporter on that state central committee for, for me. Very useful. Yeah. I mean, just was, was a real asset and, and helped manage things and could convince people. It was, it was, he was, it was a great value. And you know, here's another Kurt Bramble thing. And is his first, when he first ran for office, I was the director of the party. I think it was, must've been, could have been 2000. Yep. 2000. <clears throat> he um, somehow had convinced everyone that he was in trouble that, you know, this is September of the election year. I mean, you know, Utah County. Utah County, yeah, the nominee yeah. for a you know the <laughs> the art of the deal. Oh my gosh, he had everybody convinced, and he was just raking in dough because of the alarm bells that he was ringing, and I you know I think he got seventy four percent or some ridiculous number like that. Yeah, but go ahead. No, yeah. I, I was going to ask what was your biggest mistake from a convention you ran? Is there something that sticks out in your mind? Because I've got one that really sticks out. Always our always my biggest mistake was. Uh, trying to go too big, and that, that's really surprising coming from you, Spencer. <laughs> I mean, we well, I mean, and and it was fed by Rob Bishop when you know Rob Bishop's a theater guy. So when Rob Bishop envisioned this uh, Utah County McKay Event Center, we can bring in live animals, uh, and then he wanted to do a whole week's worth of events all around the state leading up to. And I, I remember thinking, how are we going to pull this off? And we had Orrin Hatch and Janice Cap Perry. I don't know if you know this, but Orrin Hatch is a songwriter. I've heard uh, that. And and uh, Janice Cap Perry, they were going to do a Sunday devotional at the Egyptian Theater in Ogden. And I thought to myself, I think you re- you've got to remember this guy. I thought to myself, how are we going to fill 800 seats of like regular people 
on a Sunday evening, and we we had this thing called the Resograph machine, and we printed off like 60,000 flyers and stuck them in the standard examiner. And I remember showing up to the event that night an hour early to kind of get it ready, and there was a line like going around the block of all of these Mormon women who worshipped Janice Cap Perry. I don't think they even knew who the hell Orrin Hatch was, <laughs> but, but they were going to, they were coming for the Janice Cap. That's when I learned the power of, you know, primary songs no could really bring people out. So I remember, Too big. That's my biggest I'm problem. Gonna, I'm going to tell the story. The, Spencer's biggest mistake was hiring me in <laughs> 1997 to do the show again. That was, um, and there was, it was an organizing convention and he wanted this big moment. He had the, this backdrop. It was probably the arch or some iconic backdrop, but he wanted, there was, he had, um, again, the singer songwriter, Orrin Hatch had, had brought in somebody to sing this song. We're going to have this big finale. And I think it, it was, I love old glory. I or love something. old glory. Yeah. That I was think the that song. Was it. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, you know, it, he opted not to release the 50 bald eagles at the end, which would have been really Well, fantastic. because we didn't have enough lighter fluid for them to be 50 <laughs> flaming bald eagles. <laughs> <laughs> but at the very, so, so he had this great idea and I, we, you know, Utah state used to have this magnetically released garrison flag, this massive flag that you'd click, click these uh, switches and the magnets would release and the flag would drop out of the ceiling. Massive flag. And it was super amazing when it's, it happened. It, it's a fantastic thing. Well, so we, you know, but it's the kind of thing that it either happens or it doesn't happen. It maybe doesn't happen perfectly. You have all these triggers across the full length of the stage that have to go at the same time. Anyway, so we sing the song. We have to raise the raise the backdrop out of the, or the, there's a screen, I think. We have yeah, it was to a raise, screen. Raise the screen out of the way. There's the big song and it's the, what's the, what was the, the guy that sang it? I, for, I forget. Uh, his his sister was married to Larry King. Anyway. Oh yeah, but I but but I hey look, I came up with the name of the song. You have to come up with the name of the singer. <laughs> he was he was an amazing singer Fantastic. though. Fantastic. Yeah. He did Ingeman, was it last Ingeman. Ingeman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He totally nailed it. Um we're at this grand moment. I hit the go cue with the production company. Nothing. We get nothing. <laughs> nothing happens. It was this just sad moment. So I, I think that was probably the... But you know who benefited from that, if I remember right? The teenage Col- college, the college Re- Republicans Re- had their little convention right after, and we unleashed the garrison flag and the for chair- them. And the chairman of the college Republicans at the time was Scott Benson Scott Parker. Scott, Scott, yeah. Who, who, who later became an executive director in his own right. Yes, and so, chief of staff to Rob Bishop. Let, let's give kudos to the college Republicans. Remind me the couple from down, down uh, south. You mean the teenage Republicans. Bill and Ada Cox. Bill, Bill and Ada Cox. Legends. Seriously, legends no. in the state Republican Party. And not only legends, but helped fuel and run these conventions. Those kids came up. They brought a huge crew. Because didn't they come up? They was came, it Washington County? That no. Or was no, it Kane County? No. Garfield. Garfield County. Like, he lived over Hell's Backbone. Yeah. Bill and... Bill and Ada uh, and Cox. That, that whole thing was born out of the um, Grand Staircase Escalant monument that was designated. All these parents were so irritated, and Bill and Ada, as I think then chairs of the party yep. or something, mm-hmm. they ended up creating what was the largest extracurricular club in Garfield County. And, and for years, they were the number one teenage Republican club in, in america in america yeah they Just were awesome and they would bring they would bring a school bus up yep. full of kids i think they actually slept at the credit union league didn't they one, one, night? one year but there's a there's a great story 
Oline Walker, you know, she, she was just awesome. She would go to these county conventions when, at a time when her, her boss was less motivated to go to these conventions. And she, I remember Bill and Ada talking to the teenage Republicans who were at the county convention. Governor Walker was there and, and she invited them to stay at her house and she hosted them at her house. They all, the, the lieutenant the governor convention. or yeah. was she governor she at the time? She was lieutenant governor. And so time. she had, I didn't know that story. She oh, had yeah, the yeah. teenage Republicans sleep <laughs> at her house. That's a great, and, and well-deserved by, by those kids. I mean, they were, they were so awesome. Well, and awesome. Uh, Tyler went on to become, uh, he was at one of those, one of Bill and Ada Cox's, uh, he went on to become like the the uh, lands person for I think Bob Bennett yeah. in later on in yeah. years. But well, I was just going to mention my mistake. It pales in comparison to the Flaming Bald Eagles, but uh, it was the '04 convention. So we had you know the the race for governor Huntsman and Karras and Lampropolis and Fred Olin Walker. I remember Fred. <laughs> Fred Mart. Yeah, yeah. The you know and. Um, I had vetted that script and looked over it anyway. When Joe Cannon got up his chair to announce the order of speakers, I had left off Fred Lampropoulos, <laughs> and I just sank. You know, I'm sitting off. I'm I'm sitting off stage, and I'm thinking, he didn't say Fred's name. I pull out my script; it doesn't say Fred's name. How could I miss? You know, and I hear people say, "Hey, where are where, where, yeah. Fred?" And I, Joe, Joe, uh, Joe. You know, I had to get his attention. Uh, Fred Lampropolis is six. And Joe, I've never seen Joe mad, but he, he was, he was not, not happy. He was not happy with me, and I don't blame him. That well, that was, was, a, that was a, a, a big, uh, well, hey, thank you for uh, joining us on uh, Stokes and Folks. It's always a it's always a great time to have you, you guys in studio. And uh, hopefully, hopefully this year's convention goes off without a hitch. Like us where you, uh, where you get your podcasts. You can like us any place, I guess, but especially where you get your podcasts. This has been another episode of Stokes and Folks. Stokes and Folks.